Man, we got a lot. To, man, hey, you you know what? Hold up. Let me get my hold up. Let me hold up. Let me hold up. Hold up. I got to do this. I got to. This is commemorate the moment. Hold up. Hold up. Yeah. How many snap? How many? How many flicks does he do it when he does on the songs? It's like one. Or, I think it's three. One like. Yeah, man. Wayne, first off, what's going on with you? Welcome to the People's Paradise Podcast. Early episode today, man. Uh, the goat has returned. The goat has came back in the booth and released us a great work of art that I am playing back to back. And now, granted, in my side of the city, in my side of the country, it's only been out for about think 30 minutes more or less but i was on his ass as soon as i got the update on spotify and i'm here to talk about it right now i'm um, now first off uh for those of you guys who don't know what i'm talking about and carter five the fifth out not the fifth out the fifth the fifth carter but the carter five came out lil wayne released it tonight and i'm a diehard lil wayne fan not a stand but i am a fan and by that i mean is when you listen to me talk about this man's work on this album, I'm going to tell you there are some songs I don't like. There are some verses I do like that I want to quote. I'll be real with it. When you are breaking down Lil Wayne's music, it's kind of hard because he this nigga has so many quotables, bro. Quotable verses that it's kind of hard to remember all. Like I was trying to write them all down on my phone, but this nigga just has so many different ones. Like, and that's why if you see the um, if you're looking at the clip art for this episode of the podcast. The reason why the clip art is a clip of uh, Mona Lisa playing 40, 44 minutes and two twenty two seconds in is because that was the point where I was like, you know, what, bro, I got a podcast about this. I got to talk about it. So let's talk about it. And let's just say this. So Carter five came out. It's been a while since Lil Wayne gave us something to work with. Came out with this. I think his last album I want to say was I am not from Earth. I am not a Martian. Some shit like that. Some shit with a butter red butterfly on the album. I forgot which one I had that on my high touch when I had a high touch. Um, how do I feel about the album so far? I like it. Keep in mind, I'm only five to six songs in. I'm enjoying it right now. Uh, I guess we can start with the first track. And this whole episode isn't going to be focused on Lil Wayne. I just want to talk about this because it's really got to me. The first track of this of the album is I Love You, Dwayne. And it's a clip of his mother, I guess, calling and leaving a voice message and telling her, you know, happy birthday, how proud I am of you or... um. So not happy birthday telling him I can't wait till your album drops and I love you. No, she did say happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday and I love you and I can't wait till your album drops and I know you're going through a lot, etc. etc. That touched me a lot for a few reasons. One so one, my family's from New Orleans. On my father's side, my family's from New Orleans. My father, he grew up in Sacramento, California. He, he moved to Sacramento when he was a teenager and did most of his shit out there. But in essence, him, his father, my grand, my grandmother, my grandfather, they're all from that region. Jefferson Parish, St. Charles Parish, they're from that region. So, me hearing his mama with that thick-ass New Orleans accent, oh, I love that. Oh, my God, I love that. That shit touched my soul. That's the first reason. Second reason, second reason this kind of touched me is because being a podcast, I think being a podcaster, it's different from being a hip hop artist. But at the same time, you're an artist and how I do it, like how I'm always recording and releasing videos, talking about a certain topic and taking time to wax poetic and articulate, use funny catchphrases and stuff. When I create, you're sensitive about your art. And so one of the peers, I don't care who you are. 
If you have family in your life, one of the peers that always be important for you to seek their approval and seek their um, appraisals from your parents. And two days ago, man, my dad called me when I was at my cousin and I was just kicking it because my dad's been listening to the podcast. And um, he called me and, you know, he was just talking because he, he just lately has been listening to my shit. And uh, and it made me and I got kind of emotional because he was like telling me something like, man, son, I believe in you. I think you actually got something there. Like you'd be talking about like some some real stuff. And so like. When you're doing this shit, when you in this artist, artistic realm, whatever, whatnot, the only people you got supporting you are either your listeners or are your family. Who really do got your back really is your family. So just to hear that shit, even when she was like, yeah, I know you're going through a lot, some things I don't even know about. And that's how I feel like because the reality is a lot of us can't come to our parents about everything. It's a lot of shit that we hide away from our parents. It's a lot of shit, particularly with women. It's a lot of shit that women and men, really a lot of shit that all of us go through. Fuck, let's not divide it by gender that we can't share with our parents. So that shit touched me on an emotional level because it, I don't know, it was like just like an artistic moment. So that was a personal touch for me. So I really messed. I really liked that. That was a, that was a segment that really um that really fucked with me heavily. So I, I, I like that. I like I like how you I like how I like I like when hip hop intros, hip hop song intros, go back to the roots. And the roots to me is going back to your mommy and daddy house, hearing what they got to say. The roots to me is like when Kanye West two years ago came out with um. With Life of Pablo and the first in the first track is like a gospely intro going back to the roots, the church house, Bible study, goddamn going back to going to church five days out the fucking week. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I that's going back to the roots for me. Now, with this next track that came out with him and Existentacion, R.I.P. to the great Existentacion, I've already said he is the Kurt Cobain of our era, possibly the Tupac. We shall see how history ages him. I am not going to lie to you, bro. I wasn't fucking with this song. And I'm just not. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I wasn't fucking with this song. I wasn't fucking with it. I I I, I got to keep going with you. I love Triple X. I love Lil Wayne. I was not fucking with this song. I really didn't like that song at all that much. Like that. It just it just the sound that I understand. It's a distinct sound. It's not necessarily bad. It's just the how Existential broke in the intro. Turn crying. I was like, nigga, nigga, I am crying. This is not for me right now. Being real. And this is no disrespect for them. I didn't like that, that song. So we we just gonna we gonna just scope past that. Dedicate. I really like that. I really like the song. Dedicate. There was a few quotables on there uh, that I really liked. There was one quotable. He said, uh, "He said million dollar smile, million dollar smile. I sell myself short if I grin." And then, um, <laughs> this is like stupid. But I don't even. But I don't even know if that can apply to modern day Wayne right now because. Is he really still wearing grills and shit in his mouth like he used to? So I don't, I don't know. And then even then, how uh, the chorus—the chorus was interesting because in the chorus of the song, in the chorus of the song, you have him saying, in the chorus of the song, you have him saying, uh, "I think it's Slim Thug, or I don't know who that is in the background. Is that Slim Thug, or somebody tell me who that is? Let me know in the comments." But you have him saying, "Um, yeah, um, what did he say? I put your grill in my mouth. I put, I got tattoos and changed the whole culture." I, I put, I started rocking a red bandana, and the gangsters loved you. That was an interesting perspective on. That was an interesting. That 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 he didn't sing that he didn't sing that chorus, but that was an interesting thing for me to hear because when he said that part, I rocked a red bandana and now the gangsters love me. We never really well, we always acknowledge it, but like Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne went through. Lil Wayne is one of the few niggas I ever saw in hip hop who went through so many transformations 
and was accepted by the main by still accepted by his fans and even gained new fans. Say what you want to about Drake, how he might be soft and he act hella light skin or whatever, whatnot. I fuck with Drake heavily. But Drake has always been Drake since day one of introduction to Drake. He's never changed. Versus when you have Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne was first Holly Grove the fuck out. Holly Grove, New Orleans niggas, soldier rag. Then four or five years in, now he's a blood. And he was a and he's not even from the eight he's not even from that generation for where his neighborhood you had bloods and pyro niggas there. You have him now, but he's not from that generation, so it just popped out of nowhere. But yet it's still we some people judge him, but we still accepted him. Then he went through a phase where he was like a punk rock skater kind of shit, like some rock star shit, and we still rolled with him. You know, we was all saying, nigga, my nigga, why are you wearing these tight-ass fucking jeans? But at the same time, we still accepted him. And it's interesting because in all of those changes, whether it was a skater, whether it was the blood nigga, and even when he was singing, doing that kind of harmonizing shit that little Uzi Vert's doing right now, that Lil Pump is kind of doing on that I, I, I Love It song with Kanye West, I feel like he was the person who really brought that back in style. Cause you know back in the seventies they was doing that shit. Computer love niggas couldn't sing a shit, but on that auto tune though, computer love. So it's interesting to me. Because, <laughs> sorry guys, I got sidetracked. It's interesting. To, it's interesting to me how he's always been able to change and metamorph throughout his lifetime, throughout his career, and he's had the gift of still being accepted by the mainstream still being accepted by his peers i don't know nigga i don't know if if cameron or jim jones or, or mozzie from sacramento shout out to mozzie came out and said he was gay the next day his nigga still gonna fuck with him and i love him i like mozzie's music but i just don't know if people still fuck with him out there so it is something to be said about that and that makes me wonder when he was going through all those transformations whether he was dying his hair all different colors of the rainbow all different colors of the teletubbies whether he was dressing like tony hawk 1983 t- tony hawk was he doing all that to seek the approval of these certain audiences and make himself more relatable? Or was he just seeing the trend and saying, seeing the trend before anybody else saw it? I think that's the gift that, I think the gift that was always kept Drake alive and kept him thriving is, Drake just has a way of always seeing who's going to be the next wave, who's going to be the leader of the next wave. From him picking up Migos and putting them on, from him picking up, um, who, who else did he pick on? Uh, that even when uh, he did that song with uh, that one fat nigga to come going up on a Tuesday, that nigga disappeared. But that song, that wave, definitely because right after that time, I think Bryson Tiller popped up. It's a whole wave of niggas who were done that, that melodic harmonizing that popped up after after the influence of that. So it is something. It is something to be said about that. Like how it is something to be said about that. How how visionary he is, but also his effect. And so. That made me think about that a lot more. So, how do I feel about this song, Dedicate? Dedicate, Dedicate is, a, that's a good one. That is actually good. That is actually a good one. I fuck with that one. That's one of my favorites right now. Uproar, Uproar, I, li- I listened to that one. I loved it. I fuck with it. But I was, I'm going to say this, I was, I was also in the bath while I was listening to that. So, I kind of kind of listened here and out of, kind of ducked in and ducked out of that one. Let It Fly, Travis Scott did his thing on Let It Fly. I'm going to say when it got to Wayne's part, the first, and if you listen to the song, you already know what I'm talking about. The first 28 seconds of that song, the first 28 seconds of that song, I'm mean, 28 seconds of Lil Wayne's verse, of his verse, I didn't like. 
because I didn't lie. I just didn't. It just he was. It just sounded when he was trying to rap. Line gone. I got your mind on line. Ever corporate think online. I'm kind of lying. Get the line. But he had some quotable verses in the midst of. He said. He said, "There's a fine. There's a fine line. There's a fine. What do you say? There's a fine line. You know not to cross it or some shit. There's a fine line. You know how to. It was some, he had some glows. Some good ones in it. But it was. You know. It was cool. I just. But he started gassing at the tail end of the song. Tail end of the song. He was getting your ass with that. Uh, can't be broken slaps. Dark side of the moon. I haven't gotten that far. I haven't gotten the song far enough to get to Nicki Minaj's part because I skipped over that and got to Mona Lisa because I kept seeing everybody tweet about Mona Lisa. But Dark Side of the Moon, bro, nigga, that he was I almost cried listening to that song, bro. I'm not trying to sound gay, but it was like, damn, <laughs> bro. I was listening, bro. I was listening to the song and just like, we as we fought, we what did he say? What did he say? Um, Hey, what the fuck? It was, we. It was just. It was just everything in the song. It just. It was the words he was saying. I was just was when he was like waxing poetic about the process of falling in love to me, and I just loved it. Like we fall and we fall, we float higher as we fall in love. We float higher. Um, what do you say? We we float we we float amongst the we float amongst the clouds as we embrace the enigma. It was some shit like that, but. Her sound gets stronger as I, her sound, the sound gets stronger as I inhabit her solar system. It was, I was listening to the song thinking, God, this is so beautiful. Like, I loved it. I didn't even got to Nikki's part. And Nicki Minaj, I kind of feel some type of way about right now because I'm listening, I'm listening. I've been hearing some rumors about how she was blackballing niggas in the industry and trying to make it like I'm, niggas couldn't eat if they, niggas couldn't eat or niggas couldn't be on tour with her if they didn't, if they did a song with a certain somebody. So I don't know how I feel about her right now. But that song is beautiful. I can't wait to finish that song because that song really, that song really touched the nerve with me, like on a romantic level. You be the thing about the thing about people like Wayne, like the Kanye West, the Wayne, the Jay Z's of the world. Myself, when you are a talented wordsmith, when you are talented in the art of using words, putting verbs and putting pronouns in the proper place in the conversation, nigga, you can do anything. And so that song made me. That song reminded me that. He's talented as a lyricist, so he doesn't have to just do those punchlines all the time. He can make some shit where he's just waxing poetic and describing a story. And speaking of describing a story, that takes me to the next song, Mona Lisa. Where I fucked up listening to Mona Lisa at first was when I was listening to it. I was so I was so focused on trying to hear like, where's the punchline at? Where's the punchline at? Where's the punchline at? Where's the punchline at? But I couldn't find it. And oh, somebody messaged me. Oh, my baby. Okay. Where the punchline is at? And because I couldn't find with the bunch line, I was like, what's going on? But then after I got out of the bath and put it in put it on full, put on really paid attention to it, I realized he was narrating a story. And well, most about three or four different separate stories in the same song. And more or less the premises was how you can't trust these hoes, you can't trust these women, they're unfaithful, and how he knows separate occasions where women are getting niggas robbed. Now I am far from in a financial position in my life where any any bad light skinned bitch is trying to sneak up on me at the at Dutch Bros Coffee House and follow me back home it with eight niggas with eight niggas uh, lapped up in a Pontiac following me back, back to my apartment. Far from that point in my life. It was weird listening to this song because it made me wonder how many times has he seen that happen in his world. You got to understand when you're in that world of fame and acknowledgement of of worldwide renown, 
There are bitches right now that'll suck Elton John's dick just to get, just so they can get their boyfriend, all his broke ass cousins who just broke out of San Quentin and forced him to break to break in his house and steal his shit. And that's what that song was making me think of. Like, it's crazy to live in that world of fame because it's a lot of shit you got to be really aware of. That's what he's telling that story. That sounds like a fascinating ass, scary ass story, but that's a reality in his world where women really are. There is a high percentage of women that are encountering him and simply being around him just to take his money, just to take his, just to set him the fuck up. Like he said, one of the lines he said in the song was she said him lines. She fed, she fed him lies with his own silverware. And that shit was deep to me, bro. Like that's real, man. Like you, all I'm saying is right now, on a ground level, on the ground level of where I'm at in my life right now, I'm just now learning how unfaithful, how conniving some women can be. How I'm just now, I'm just now conceiving that. And it's weird listening to that song and thinking like, bro, he might have really went through some shit that motivated him to write these songs. And that's why I'm going to tell you something, man. And to all the young niggas out there who listen to me right now, niggas my age, niggas younger, whatever, be careful when you're dealing with, I'm talking about those who are in positions, even those who ain't in positions. Be careful. When, I used to tell my brother this all the fucking time. I used to tell my brother this all the time. Because he used to be he used to be out there funking with niggas. And I used to tell him, bro, you need to close some of these fucking beasts down and get to an amicable point with some of these niggas unless you're going to kill them. Because reality is... When it gets real, it gets real. And I told him, you don't know how real it's going to get until you meet some little badass little mid-skinned chick. She take you to her apartment. She invites you to her apartment. You think you about to get your dicks uh, licked up. And you walk in and you come to find out she's cousins with three of the niggas that you funking with. And them niggas waiting for you. And them niggas waiting for you in the living room. Nigga, like, with the, with the, with the yeeky out. So, and it's the same thing with these women, bro. It's crazy. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Hey, remember, you know what this reminds me of is uh, remember he had that verse in that song, um, "Had my heart broken by this woman named Tammy, but hoes gonna be hoes, so I couldn't blame Tammy." Excuse me. And even it reminds me of something Walker Flockhead said when he said um, he was talking about how you see a girl and you think, "Oh, she really like me. She think I'm cute." And you fuck her one night and think she really argue. Next night you see her at another concert uh, on another rapper's dick, and you're like, "Well, what the hell?" And it's like. I'm gonna stop waxing poetic about this because this makes me scared of like romance. So that's how far I am in the Carter Five album right now. That's how far I'm in it right now. And as you can tell, I had a lot of thoughts about this album. Um, um, I think in 2018, we rarely. It's amazing, bro, how. How so much time can pass by and you just forget. Like, I was listening to this album and I was thinking, like, for those of you guys who listen to me live right now, for those of you guys who who remember, those of you guys who in 2009, I guess, were 15, 14, 16, 17, 18, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember how eager we were to get the Carter Three? Do you remember where Lil Wayne was at at that time and, and Carter? Do you remember career wise? popularity wise where he was at when Carter three came out. Think about that. Like really think about, really think about that. Really think about that. Do you remember where he was at? 
it blows my mind to think almost 10 years later, he's nowhere near how he was. And in that nine year period in between 2009 and 2018, it's weird to think of how many niggas have popped up that I look at him as just fruits off his tree. I look at Lil Uzi Vert as fruit off his tree. I look at almost a certain extent, almost little pumping well, almost fruit off his tree. I look at all these Lil's as popping up. All the niggas with Lil in their name, I look at them more or less as fruit off of Lil Wayne's tree. Even Kendrick Lamar said that he was more of a fan of J- of Kendrick of Lil Wayne's lyricism than Jay Z's lyricism, which I agree honestly. And it's weird to see how much distance this came, how much distance. I remember, bro, those of y'all out there who was, who in 2009, 2000, y'all remember, bro, where Lil Wayne was at at that time? Y'all remember? Y'all remember how it was? Y'all remember how it was when you would, you would watch a video on BET or on MTV, whatever, whichever was your video streaming, whichever show channel you was watching, a music video would come on, nigga, and you would say, you would see featuring Lil Wayne, a feat- featuring Lil Wayne, nigga, and you would be like, you wouldn't even give a fuck about who was who was who was leading the leading the goddamn song but you couldn't wait to get that out and see Lil Wayne give you some shit you knew how it was nigga when you was going on that piff and getting getting goddamn 87 viruses on your computer and on your eye touch trying to download uh dedication 83 <laughs> dedication 87 the drought is over chapter 59 <laughs> like nigga you remember them days bro so and that was almost 10 years ago so i'm not gonna act like that's like that i'm not gonna act like that was a uh, like that was just yesterday but it was weird seeing how much how much how much can change over a 10 year period. That made me hungry because I want to look in 10 years from now and see that I'm the greatest when it comes to broadcasting, that I'm on the top, that I that that like bro Little Wayne was dope, man. Little Wayne was dope. And I and it kind of blows my mind like to think how how fell how far A lot of people have been saying like what like what's like why did Little Wayne fall off? What made Little Wayne go wrong? What's going on? What's going on with Little Wayne? I'm gonna tell you the reason why Little Wayne fell off, and this is why I, this is why Little Wayne fell off. I'm gonna say, and a lot of y'all might disagree with me, but fuck it, I'm gonna say why. The reason why Dwayne Carter fell off from where he was at in hip hop was because he lost his work ethic. He lost his work ethic. He lost his sense of work ethic. Nigga, I remember in 2000, and a lot of y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. I remember in 2006 to 2008, that nigga, Lil Wayne, truthfully, this ain't the first time Lil Wayne fell off. Lil Wayne almost fell off low, low key in 05, 06. What happened was the reason he got so popping was because he was coming out with mixtapes, nigga, every other Thursday, damn near. This nigga was a feature on everybody's fucking song that came out. T-Pain songs, DJ Khaled songs. This nigga literally, I want to say 2007, that nigga had to do, do at least 65 fucking features in the hip-hop game. I'm talking about on everybody's fucking song. From from goddamn Duffel Bag Boys when when uh, when 2 Chains was still called Titty Boy. This nigga was, this nigga was putting in that work, that ground fucking work. You don't see that no more. This nigga, he didn't got to a point where he didn't got so comfortable with his greatness that he forgot where he came from. He forgot, nigga. That's how I planted myself. This is how I planted myself. Because I'm going to tell you something straight up. The fame that Little Hat Wayne had in 2009, 2010, 2011, the fame that he had in that three-year period, in jail or out of jail, that that wasn't shit to compare. That, that wasn't shit that was compared to when he was a kid in 99 and 2000. That wasn't the first time he seen that kind of fame in his life. But... He fell off from that point, so he had to put him put back in that work. Now, after he got out of Hot Boys, after he got out of Hot Boys, he kind of stayed afloat. You know, he stayed afloat, kind of, kind of stayed afloat. He went at the top no more. He but he had to put back in that fucking work to get to where he got to. And I think that's the issue that we have now. 
You can't just be sitting in your emotions and sad and shit like that. Even even with that whole even with that whole, I'm glad he got his, his music situation straight with Baby, whatever, whatnot. I don't care, but I want to see I want to see Lil Wayne put that groundwork in. I want to see you. I want to. I want you to. I want to see you do those features again. I want to see you do those features with Playboy Cardi. I want to see you do those features with Lil Uzi Vert. I want to see you do those features with features with Smoke Perk, with Russ, with Cardi B, with Nicki Minaj. I want to see you go putting that groundwork in. I want to see you putting out more to fuck music all the time. I want to see that. Don't just go off in the clouds and think because you great, nigga. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget, nigga. You became great, nigga, because you kept putting in that hard ass work. It's the same thing with my black ass, nigga. As soon. I've been doing this guy. I do this podcast Monday through Friday. I do voiceover at the same time. I do YouTube videos almost every goddamn day. I'm putting this fucking groundwork. Let me get to the point where niggas is really hitting my line trying to get me into podcast interviews or do voiceover. I'm not turning out a guy. I'm letting all those people out know right now. If you do a podcast, if you do a talk show, if you do some platform and you want me to come talk with you, I'm coming right now. I'll pull up. I'll pull up right now. I'll pull up. I'll call up niggas. I don't I ain't got fly, I ain't got fly, I ain't got frequent fire miles like that. But I'll pull up, I'll call up. And that's the same thing I want to say to everybody who's into this podcast. You gotta put in this work, bro. If you want to get there, it's a lot of niggas listen to me right now who are rappers. A lot of niggas listen to me who are engineers, sound engineers, producers, artists, painters, poets. If you want to get to a certain place in life where niggas are appraising you like they, how they appraise little Wayne, like how they appraise P. Diddy, how they appraise Little Pump, how they appraise um um, the, um, goddamn! I don't know the the nigga the, the nigga the nigga who invented Soul Train. Who knows? If you want to get to that pinnacle, if you want to get to that platform in life, I don't give a fuck what nobody say. You got to put in this work, work hard, and work work smart and work hard. You know, don't be scared to get your feet wet. And I'm happy that I'm happy that he was able to give give us this one in the chamber. So overall, I like most of the album. I'm listen. I'm still a few songs short. I got a few more songs I got to listen to, obviously. So, because it's a long ass goddamn album. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Got fourteen more songs in this album to listen to. But um, with that being said, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'll let you guys know what I think about the rest of it tomorrow. Just had to get this initial EP off to let y'all know where I'm at with it. But it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to me. Subscribe to the podcast. And you know what I always say, man? If y'all can donate anything to the podcast, the link to my cash app is at the, in the bio, in the description of the podcast. Reality is, for right now, while we have no contract, this is a fan-supported podcast. So any donation is appreciated. Um, you can donate at the People's Paradise, the People's Paradise on Cash App, or the link in there. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the family. Thank you.